1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let me read uh, the first chapter for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Just a couple of foundational basic truths you've heard before, but I want to just start there with a little motivational thing. There's a quote on the board, or I should say on the screen, that you're going to see uh, Dave, David Platt uh, said this, and, and I want you to think about it, start with this, meditate on it. It's, when you read it to yourself over and over again, it's pretty riveting. Every saved person, and I want to focus on that, because missionaries and pastors are not the ones who are the only ones, I should say, that are involved in reaching people with the gospel. It's everyone, and he's right. Every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. And that's how we have to think. That's the mentality that I think this whole series wants to put into your mind and heart, is that we have an obligation to do that. And and again, tonight, and, and perhaps throughout this series, you'll get more definite or deeper answers to these questions. But I hear a lot of times people say, well, I don't really witness because it's not my spiritual gift. I'm not really that talented. And then they might say, because I get afraid, I might not know the answers. They might ask questions to my personality. I'm a little bit shy and reserved. And on and on the list goes. And so I want you tonight to think about this. Every one of us in Scripture has been given the Great Commission. Every single one of us. And so tonight... Truthfully, the bottom line is we're either being obedient or disobedient. It's really a matter of that. Uh, God wants more than just conformity on the outside, of course. Um, He wants you to do it because you love him and you love people. But number one, it's all of our obligations, every one of us. Uh, Number two, because that is true, because we have an obligation to everyone this side of hell, there should be some urgency to it. Um, Again, a quote here from... Uh, Carl Henry says, the gospel's only good news if it gets there in time. In other words, there should be not just I have an obligation every day and if it comes my way and God puts someone else into my life, it's not just, and God does that. He does put people into our life, but he also has put you into people's lives and he wants you to make opportunities, not just take opportunities. Um, And what I'm pushing for tonight It's not to see this evangelism as a random event, but a lifestyle um, following the Lord Jesus Christ. And so urgency, if it gets there in time. In other words, 
Um, there may be people that die that you know and you never gave them the gospel. When I was growing up, I had two guys, and I've told this story before, who in my eighth grade class who died in a canoe accident over the river in town that I was invited to go with them on. I didn't go because I had a dentist appointment. And uh, they drowned going over the canoe with, also with a, uh, another fireman. Um, but I never, I went to school with them for two years, played on sports teams with them, and I never gave them the gospel. And I remember that. And I, and I felt no obligation and I felt no urgency. And since I was 13 or 14 years old, I've, I've remembered that. Not pleasantly, but I have remembered it. And there are people around us, and we don't know our own lives what we are promised for tomorrow, but these people around us need Christ. And so there's no wonder that if you read the book of Luke and Acts together, it talks about Jesus and Paul. He describes as a mission of must. In other words, there's a compulsion there. And I want you to ask yourself, if you don't feel compelled, if it never crosses your mind about lost people on a daily basis, what's missing? What's missing in your life? Um, and, and by the way, even when you do, it's not always easy. It's, even, and, and some of you have experienced this, even when you're talking to your own lost family members about the gospel. I've asked Jason Arnheider uh, tonight. He's, he uh, video recorded this brief testimony tonight telling you some of the things that he kind of has gone through but keeps after and witnessing to his own family and sharing the gospel with them. Just like the Thessalonians who uh, Paul had to go through quite a lot. If you read Acts 17, he had to go through a lot of affliction. Uh, in fact, they wanted to take him and, and do awful things to him, but they couldn't find him in Thessalonians, Thessalonica if you read it. But they went through a lot there to give the gospel, and you might too, so the urgency is still there. We're going to listen to Jason. Hey, church family. I'm making a video for you today because uh, Pastor Walker... Uh, asked me to make you a video with my experiences of witnessing to my family. Um, I may be in a little bit of a unique situation. Uh, my my uh, witnessing to my family uh, is so difficult and causes a lot of anger. Uh, it's because I have, uh, if you guys remember my testimony, I have family members that are... Uh, in a Christian cult that claim to be Christian, that do not act Christian, that do not uh, are not humble, um, that just have left a very bad experience and flavor in my family's mouth um, with the whole religion and Christianity topic to begin with. Uh, my sister has been the most difficult because uh, she won't even listen to anything about God or Christianity unless she's mocking the family members that I just spoke about. Um, she actually has gotten to a point where it angers her so much uh, my relationship with her has been strained because as I was trying to witness and talk to her and tell her about things that are going on in my church family and church life, uh, it angered her. and. Uh, we have not really spoken in the last year. My mother, who has been a little bit more open, she is supportive but uh, does not uh, believe in anything that uh, I talk to her about. Um, so it has been hard and it's been difficult. Uh, but the hardest part to me, I would say, is to be relentless, uh, where I just want to try to take every opportunity that I can to talk to my family, to talk to my, my mom or my sister about God 
and their salvation because that is the most important thing that I can do as a brother and a son is to help lead them towards their salvation. Um, but also be relentless with my with my message, but also know the timing. Uh, because the timing can sometimes you be difficult where you need to hold back or you need to not push a, on a certain topic to push them away or make them angry and make them even just not even want to listen to you anymore. Um, so that has been difficult. Uh, the second part that I would say is not letting the anger and the hate and the the remarks that uh, you might get uh, the just the the hurt feelings the just to not let them bother you to understand that the world just has a hold of the people that you are trying to witness to and talk to and that they will say things that will bother you or hurt you or try to just get under your skin and you know that brings me to the next point of the most important thing that we have on our side is is God he gives us the armor he gives us the armor to withstand those those attacks and those words that are coming at us and that I'm not saying they don't sting but they don't pierce they they don't um, they don't you know knock us out and we need to remember that we have the best ally on our side that we have God will always have our back and that although it may be tough it may be a, a hard road and it's bumpy and it strains relationships and causes tears there's no better reason to me to cause those tears is to be leading my life for God and trying to lead my family towards God and no matter what the situation is I know that he has my back and that I pray to him every time I have a chance of uh, evangelizing to spreading the gospel to guide my tongue to guide my mind to guide my words and I know that he promises to do so whether it be good or bad or if the, my timing might be wrong but his timing is perfect so church family I just implore you to just keep going out there and going strong and going hard for God to just make your vertical as powerful as it can be and just to know that God, God is with all of us. Great talking to you guys. Amen. The gospel is uh, all, what's the uh, question is, what does it mean to be the church? Uh, it means to be a church that's all about the gospel. Seven times in First and Second Thessalonians, um, the word gospel is used. And uh, I remember Pastor Martins, when he was here, often told us as a congregation and, and then we, as, as staff, that, you know, that we, if we get upset about things, may it never be that we get upset about things that are of smaller or, or lesser importance uh, than the gospel.
In other words, if you're going to get upset about something, get upset about the fact that you haven't witnessed in a week or two or a month or two or a year or two. He says, if, you really, if you're going to get this angry about that, then you better be getting angry about that. And I remember that, keeping the perspective about what really matters. The Thessalonians knew what really mattered. They, were, they knew what it meant to be the church because they were all about the gospel. Now, again, for them, they hadn't been saved very long. If you ever read Acts 17, you'll know what it took for Paul and his associates to give them the gospel. Um, but I put as my main idea tonight, to be the church, we must be the gospel. And my emphasis on be. And, and so I want to give you just two tonight. That's all we have time for. We have a few other videos we're going to watch. But the first two, th- there's only two things. The first one is this, we believe the gospel. If we're going to be um, the church that God wants us to be, and we want to be a gospel church, a church that's on mission with God, we, number one, we're going to believe the gospel. And you can see it in the text, and what Paul does is rehearse for them their conversion story. In verses 4 through 10, you can see it there. It's a Trinitarian thing, the salvation is. He says, God the Father elected you and he loved you. The Holy Spirit, you can read the verses for yourself in verses 4, 5, and 6. The Holy Spirit came and he changed you by his power. And then he says, and then you became followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he wants you to know that when you got saved, all of God was all about it. I mean, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were working in you and upon you and in you to to make you his child. And when that happened, he says, you can look at the verse with me. He says, and not only in word... Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but in power and the Holy Spirit with full conviction. And he says, and then you became, verse number six, you became imitators of us and the Lord. Watch, for you received the word in much affliction. So when you get saved, and if you were saved, you received the word. But I want you to focus on this. It says the gospel came to you. Notice how in, in, in this passage, their salvation story was God chose them. Before they ever got saved, they were chosen. He says, and God loved you. He elected you. That's the word. And then he says, when it came time in time for you to get saved, the gospel came to you. You didn't come to the gospel. A lot of people tell me when they look back, hey, I remember when I was getting more religious and I was more interested in God. And the the truth of scripture is, is that you're not really coming to God and you don't come to the gospel. The gospel comes looking for you. Let me just real quickly, and we don't have a lot of time, but let me say, where... Or how did the gospel come to you? How many of you, how many of you where the gospel came to you and it was a friend who witnessed to you and that's how you became a Christian ultimately through a friend? Raise your hand. How many were saved because you got the gospel because the gospel came to you when you went to a church service? Raise your hand. How many of you, uh, the gospel came to you and, and stirred and changed your heart and life? You were watching someone present the gospel on a television program. Anybody? listening to the radio, by yourself, and God spoke to you through the word of God, and that's how you got saved. Like, think that? Okay, one. So look what, you, look what we're doing tonight. See, she said the vast majority, almost everyone, either got saved because the gospel came to you through a friend or through a church. So the number one thing that we ought to do if we're serious about it as a church is individuals to reaching people. In other words, we have to build friendships with lost people and we have to get them to church. <laughs> and those, and that, that's nothing brand new, is it? But that, the Thessalonians were all about, see, they believed. And you know how they believed? God changed them and the power to change them. And then when they changed, listen to this. It says, here's what happened to their lives in verses 9 and 10. Real quick, look at it. It says, and they turned from idols, to, uh, turned to God 
from idols. Salvation is a turning to and a turning from. And, and that's how we all got saved. If we took the time tonight, we could start over here and go across the auditorium and you could say, even if you were young, that you turned from this. And then the older you were that you got saved, probably could tell even more stories and bigger issues about what you turned from. And your idols were all kinds of different things. And then you turn to God, but you turn from those sins. And, and they were telling, he's reminding them, see how you got saved? Now you say, Pastor Walker, why do I need to hear that? Because let me tell you this, I believe it ought to be, minimally, it ought to be one of the greatest compulsions to move you to be a witness for Jesus and be bold for him and a witness to others is you remember how you were saved. I mean, you read the book of Acts and all you, it's, it's smattered all throughout the book with people's testimonies about how they got saved. And let me tell you this. If you can look at your life and look back on your life and how the gospel came to you and how God chose you and God loved you and he sent his son for you and put people into your life to save you and you can take all that in, but you're not really looking to witness to people. There's something wrong with us. Something wrong with us. I've asked my wife to come and just briefly she's going to share with us um, about how she has gone after and uh, seen her cousin Kim's life changed by the gospel. So, yeah, I was asked to give a little testimony in the story about my cousin Kimberly um, and how she came to know the Lord. Um, and just as a little bit of background, we grew up together. Our families were very close. We did um, holidays always together, that kind of stuff. Um, she and I were only about a year and a half apart, so uh, we were pretty close growing up, um, but there was a major difference between the two of us. I knew the Lord, and she didn't. Um, and I do have to say that I did not really witness to her like I should have when I was younger. Um, and so then we eventually both got married. We um, moved away from Minnesota, which is where we had grown up, um, and kind of lost touch with each other a little bit. Um, I did see her from time to time, like at a funeral or a wedding, and um, I did try to take opportunities then um, when I was able to spend a little bit of time with her to witness to her. And, um, you know, she would listen politely, but she really wasn't interested in hearing a whole lot um, at that time. And then back in 2018, um, my cousin Kimberly and her two daughters and my aunt all came out here for Lance and Erica's wedding. And so they spent probably a good um, four to five days with us. Um, and we were able to really reconnect, which was really nice. And I think just um, spending time in our home, um, coming here to church, meeting some of you, um, just kind of being in a, a Christian environment really impacted her. She was, um, she was going through a really difficult time in her life. Um, and the Lord gave us just some good opportunities to um, talk about him in a very just general, natural way. You know, it just kind of would come into conversation. And um, she was starting to get very curious, more than I had ever seen her um, before. And so then the following summer, um, she invited me to come out to California where she lived and just visit with her um, for a week. So I did that, went and stayed with her and her two girls. Um, and my goal that week was to talk about God and the gospel as much as I could. I just felt that um, just to make up for what I didn't do when I was younger and, and just my burden for her to come to know the Lord. Um, and I had asked a number of people here to pray for me as my small group was praying and um, just that the Lord would open her eyes. Um, and just knowing that, I think while I was there, really motivated me to keep, because I knew they were going to ask when I got back home. Um, so that kind of helped me to make sure I kept my focus. And so that's what I did. We spent a lot of time together together. Um, 
I was there for a week. Anytime we were driving in the car, we were just talking, and if we were walking or whatever we were doing, we, we talked a lot. And um, she really started, you know, to ask a lot of questions. Um, and I didn't know this, but come to find out, years before when her daughters were young, they actually went to a Bible-believing church, because I looked it up, and I looked at it, and they went to VBS, so I know that they all had heard the gospel at, at one time or another, but none of them had ever accepted um, the Lord. Um, they had no longer, you know, they weren't going to church anymore, and so the Saturday before I was heading home, I said, let's try to find a church to go to tomorrow, because it was going to be Sunday, um, and they picked a church, probably not one that I would have chosen, um, but her daughter had heard about it, and that's where they wanted to go, so um, that's where we went. There was no salvation message, so I was a little, you know, bummed about that during the service, but I just kept praying that maybe something would come up um, that I could use to talk about later. Um, but then at the very end, someone other than the pastor got up to close the service, and it just so happened um, that they shared just a very brief invitation for anyone who didn't know the Lord to... Um, to call on him, and they just led a, a brief prayer of salvation, and then they asked those who prayed to raise their hand. Um, and I peeked, <laughs> and my husband, my cousin's hand went up, so I was really excited. And then she got a Bible when they were leaving. They gave away Bibles for anyone that um, had raised their hand. And so when we got back in the car, um, she turned and looked at me. She goes, "What just happened?" And I said, "You finally gave your life to the Lord." And and I said, "What is it that?" Because I I was. You know, I've been witnessing her throughout the whole week that I was there and talking and everything. But I said, what was it that, because there wasn't really a salvation message. And she goes, I don't even know how to explain it. She said, I just get it. It just clicked for me today. I just know the Lord. That was obviously the Lord and all those seeds that had been planted with the previous church. And I know that there were other people that had witnessed to her too. Um, all of that just came together. And, um, and she, you know, she was brought to salvation that day. So she, she did start really growing. She um, found a, a really good church that she was getting involved in, and then COVID happened. Um, so she's still going to church virtually, or doing church virtually, um, and she's also doing a women's Bible study. So it's just great to see her growing, and um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's great. So Two things tonight we said. One, when you are being the church, you're going to be about the gospel, and that means we believe the gospel. And secondly in the passage is that we become the gospel. What do you mean by that? Three times, real quickly, three times in this passage, there's a verb, it's a be verb, but it means to become. And it's sometimes a little difficult, the first one to see, but if you look at chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, Our gospel came to you, and it's the word become. In other words, the gospel became, becomes to you. In other words, it, became, it came to you, it made itself known to you. It was, it's like the, the gospel's personified, and, and it comes to you, it's, it's alive. And, and then watch how it builds. The next verse, verse 5, it says, Our gospel came to you, and then in verse number 6, and you, there's a second one, and you became imitators. And so the gospel comes to them, they get saved, and then they become something they become mimics. That's the word, mimics. They become, they watched Paul, they watched his associates, and they said, oh, when you're a Christian, this is what it means. And so they became disciples, in other words. And verse, the next verse says, and you can see it for yourself, in verse number seven, so that you, there's the third use, and you became an example. You, it's the word tupas, it's the word type. In other words, 
people started understanding that you had changed. And, you, and to all the believers in the area of Greece where they lived in Macedonia, they, it started being known that look at these people. Look at how they've changed. And it was going so far from where they were, it was being spread out. And it said, but you didn't just receive the word. It says in verse 8, from you it sounded out. And it was like, literally the word means like a trumpet blast. In other words, their life had so radically changed. They had believed the gospel, but here's the thing. They had become the gospel. It wasn't just what was coming out of their lips, although it was. It was what was coming out of their life. See, they had been made different. And now they had become mimics. They were, when you were seeing Jesus and Paul, you were starting to see that in them. You became examples. You became, it says, followers. In other words, that's what discipleship is, isn't it? When you become a follower, you start doing what Jesus did. You say what he said, you know what he knows, you do what he did. And that's why for all of us, discipleship is so crucial because they became mimics. They learned to witness, how to witness, how to live your life so that people would believe what you're witnessing. You know where they learned it from? They got it from mimicking someone, the Apostle Paul. They saw it in someone else's life. That's why we do the groups that we do. Why? Because if you're not up to or aware of what you ought to be doing to be a witness, you need someone to train you, help you. You need to see it in someone else's life. And, and, and it says, from you sounded out way beyond their area, way beyond, we say, Trenton, and imagine this, that people at Faith Baptist Church changed so radically, people got saved, and you started following Jesus to such a degree that people an hour from here had heard the story, and their lives were being changed. And I love it because this text teaches this principle, changed lives change lives. See, their lives were changed, and because of the magnificent change in their life, other people's lives were being changed. That's why we need discipleship, because the more you're like Jesus, the more you, people will see Jesus in you, and the more that you'll be able to use that as an opportunity to witness. And that comes in all kinds of ways, all kinds of ways. I've asked my sister Molly, who lives in Kansas City tonight, it's two testimonies, and one's a little shorter. She's very, what's the word, talkative, my sister. Um, and so I told her three minutes, three, maybe five minutes of the most, Molly, and so it was nine minutes. So Steve had to edit half of it out. But she has a good thing, because she has, she last year or a year or so ago, she'll tell you more, her sister-in-law, Amy, was in her 50s and didn't know Christ, was Catholic her whole life. And my sister, Molly, led her to the Lord. And then my sister has a ministry that started from all of that, and reaching people with cancer. And I, and I wanted her just to show, so we'll just do them, Steve, because that's about all the time we have left. We're going to do those back to back. And, and, and I want you to listen to what Molly says, my sister Molly. Um, that's who it is. So you, when she says Pastor Lance, she'll know she's fooling around here a little bit. But she's going to give you a testimony about her opportunities to witness and how she's become the gospel for her, her, her sister-in-law and for others. I was frozen with fear for, for, to say in... You know, just afraid of, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. What if somebody gets mad at me? What if they yell at me? What if they are offended? Um, I just didn't know what to do, and therefore I did nothing. And so what I decided to do was to just basically uh, jump off the edge and go in, full body in, and see what happened. And... I have just been able to, little by little, gain confidence and just ask the Lord to present opportunities to me, and He has, and I'm getting better and better, and, but I'm trusting in Him, and I'm not being afraid 
Um, so one of the first things that I did was just to start with somebody that I knew and I was in church again and the pastor said, hey, let's pick, pick a person in your mind that you know this week that you could share the gospel with and try to do that. And so I did. I picked a person. I didn't tell anyone about it. It happened to be my sister-in-law. And so I thought, and she doesn't even live in the same town as me, so I had to figure out, well, how was I going to do this with her? And so I started to use a program. It's an app online called Uversion. And you can get on there, and you can invite a friend to come on there with you. And it, it, Uversion provides uh, hundreds of different Bible study plans and devotionals. And you can do them together. So I just invited her to join my Bible devotional that I was doing. It was like a 10-day deal. And so we started um, doing that devotional together. It gives you several scripture verses to read, an actual um, devotional excerpt. And then the cool part about it is at the end of it, you have this, this um, thing you can click on called Talk It Over. And so I can make a comment on there about what I read that day and how, what I think God is saying to me through this devotional. And then she has the opportunity, she can respond back to that and we can talk back and forth um, with each other. And so we started doing that every single day. And I think it's been almost two years later that um, we're still doing it. And I don't know how many plans could possibly be left on there, but, uh, Apparently there's thousands, so we're still going. And um, and it, during this time, it just gave us gave me the openings to talk to her more and more about Christ. And um, in fact, I think one time I was going on vacation with her, and she said, "Can you bring your Bible with me? Can we go to dinner? I've got a Bible now because I sent her one." And she said, "Can we bring our Bibles to dinner and and talk about some of the things that I have questions about?" And so. It's just a great, um, it's just a great tool to be able to use to get the conversation going and to get people to ask questions and to open up a dialogue and a discussion about Jesus, just Jesus really. And so I can say happily that, you know, within this process, Amy, my sister-in-law, she did accept Christ as her savior. And that was just kind of my... Another thing I'll just share that I do that um, I kind of got from my brother, but I've adapted it a little bit, is if you just start talking to, and I mean, anybody, strangers, I mean, Uber drivers, that's one that I do, Uber drivers. You get in, you start talking to them, ask them questions about themselves, ask them where they're from, what they do, if they have a family, and somehow, I'm telling you, somehow there will be an opportunity to sneak Jesus into that conversation. And I just try to keep it really simple. And I will ask, it's a great question because it again gets dialogue going. I will just ask, so do you know Jesus? And it's really cool and interesting to listen to all the different responses I've gotten from that. And you will too, if you ask it, but um, one person says, said, well, yeah, I know who Jesus is, obviously. And I said, oh, well, I know you know who he is, but I mean, do you really know him? And they said, well, what do you mean? And boom, I mean, that's your opportunity to just be able to share the gospel with somebody in the Uber car really quickly. And um, sometimes it has led to nothing. Sometimes 
it has been, oh yeah, I know Jesus, he's my savior. And you're like, all right, great. And, and then sometimes it's led to being able to, you know, invite someone to church. I mean, if you just ask someone if they know Jesus, you're just, you're going to get a good conversation and, um, it's going to allow you to, um, share your faith easily. So, and I would just encourage all of you to just start talking to people and asking that question, Hey, do you know Jesus and see what happens and, um, you know, talk to, um, people in your family, build a relationship with them, do acts of kindness and, and be generous to them and give them a reason to want to talk to you. Give them a reason to ask you, why are you doing these things for them? I mean, you're just never going to look back and you're going to be so happy you did because there's nothing greater than being able to share with someone else what Christ has done for you. Hi everybody, I'm here to talk to you today about another way that I have been sharing the gospel and it's um, with my best friend Claudia. We run a nonprofit organization called Battle Bags KC or Battle Bags Kansas City and we supply bags of comfort to adult cancer patients around the Kansas City metro area. Um, my friend Claudia is a two-time breast cancer survivor and so she has created these bags that are specifically designed to um, have things in them for adult cancer patients that are receiving chemo or radiation therapy here in Kansas City. Yeah, they're specifically geared towards their needs while they're sitting there going through chemotherapy. Um, while these items are amazing, we've got beautiful thick blankets in here. Um, we have sippy cup for water and snacks. We have personal items in here, as well as several other things that have been donated. But the main, the main point of this bag is to show the gospel and to get Bibles in to every single person's hands. And so we have, every bag comes with a Bible and we do go through and underline certain verses from the Romans road and leave a, a little inscription on the inside of the Bible for every person. And also, um, we also include in the bag, um, a card that tells a little bit about Claudia's story and how she, uh, was able to get through this awful journey, um, of chemo and radiation by, and because of her salvation and her faith in Jesus Christ. And so she gets to share her testimony and her story um, with everyone um, that is going through this. So our bags are delivered to cancer treatment centers around the Kansas City area. And um, prior to COVID, we were actually able to go in personally and deliver bags to patients while they were receiving treatment. But now um, we're not allowed to do that. So we can only deliver the bags to the center and then the nurses deliver them to the patients at that time. But the cool thing is, is that um, God's word is still getting out there and we receive emails often about that this has just really changed their uh, patient's life and has the testimony of Claudia and what Christ did through her is really able to help these people face another day. And and to rely on Christ um, for believers and non-believers, honestly. So um, it's just a vehicle. The bag is a vehicle to get Bibles 
into anybody and everybody's hands. And so it's just a, it's a cool way to be able to share what Christ has done for us, whether it's through these bags, in person, talking to people when we deliver them or getting to communicate with patients online. Uh, but so I would also ask you guys to pray for us and what we're doing here. Um, we're seeing more and more people wanting to use our bags in different ways to get the gospel out there. And we're all for that. So um, that's our story here in Kansas City. And we ask you guys to pray again for Battle Bags KC. Thanks. Bye. Bob Gottwald's given them many little New Testaments and uh, from Gideon's. Um, and donated that to them. And so pray for that. They've been given quite a number of thousands of dollars now, and they're hopefully going to be able to be more widespread in that ministry. But that just started off really with someone's experience and using it to give the gospel. The Thessalonians told their experience of how God turned them from idols. And, uh, and that experience and that telling of it changed people's lives. We can do that. We can. We can have ministries in it. You don't have to wait for us to start it. I mean, my, my sister doesn't do that through her church. She does it on her own. And uh, you can do the same thing. You can reach your neighbors, uh, share your experience of how God has changed you. The Thessalonians did that, and it changed lives. And that's what we're after. That's what this series is about, just to inspire you from the Word of God, inspire you from people who are doing that and living that life and following after Jesus and being a disciple who makes other disciples. And so this is just a good start, I hope, tonight. Inspire you to even go out and start uh, sharing some of those, your faith with someone else, uh, possibly even this week. Let's close in prayer. Father, we ask your blessing tonight on the things that we've heard, the testimony from the Thessalonians, the testimony from people here in our own ministry and from other uh, outside of this ministry. Lord, would it be that we would be a people who are like the Thessalonians, we'd be all about the gospel, looking at conversations, meetings, dentist appointments, airplane, airplane rides, uh, being in airports, even an Uber uh, car, whatever it would be, Lord, that we might see as an opportunity to be on mission with you. Use us, bring people into our lives, but yet put us in people's lives. And through your Holy Spirit, the power that's changed us, would he also give us the power to be bold for you, that we might have stories of our own here at Faith Baptist Church about people from all the nations coming to know you. And we'll give you all the blessing and praise and honor and glory for that. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.